0: Um, this morning, uh, we are going to look at the Word of God out of the book of Hebrews, and so uh, if you have your Bibles, your, your iPads, or uh, your, your phones, whatever it is you use, turn over to the book of Hebrews chapter 13, and what I'm going to be doing for the, this week and next week, it's a two-part series, is uh, I'm going to be speaking about something that I've covered uh, uh, years ago. But I felt, uh, in talking with our staff, um, important that we refresh our memory concerning uh, this aspect uh, of of ministry and our relationship with God that I'm going to be speaking about. And it's dealing with uh, the altar, dealing with the altar. Because people of every, every culture and every society have a way of commemorating particular events in different ways. You know, here in the United States, we have special days. We acknowledge certain uh, uh, events that have taken place in our country's history. There are war memorials that people have set up uh, to commemorate uh, and to remember those who gave their lives for our freedoms um, and... Uh, commemorating different battles. And then, again, more personally, we commemorate uh, different holidays that we have, birthdays, etc., that uh, we commemorate with gift-giving. And so, um, these are just a few of the many, many ways that we see how people commemorate experiences in their life or remember special occasions. In the Word of God that we're going to be looking at uh, uh, this morning, the Old Testament people commemorated significant events in their lives also in a specific way. Scripture speaks to us and tells us that what they did was they built altars. And these altars were built uh, from pieces of wood, uh, scraps of tree, Pieces of of rock and stone, whatever it was they could find, and they would set up, as it were, a memorial for a specific event that they wanted to remember, for something that they wanted to make sure they would never forget, they wanted to thank God about, etc., and so on. Noah, we know, as we read in the Word of God, he built an altar when he walked onto dry land following the flood, and he wanted to commemorate and to thank God for that safe journey. Abraham, we know, built an altar when he arrived in the land that God promised him that he would bless him and multiply his seed. And so he built an altar to commemorate that experience also. Isaac, his son, was an altar builder throughout the Word of God. We see men of God who took time to remember God, to thank God, to worship God at what they called an altar. Moses, we know, raised up an altar and he called it Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner to celebrate a victory over the enemy. And so there's a consistent theme in the Word of God concerning uh, altar building. And uh, here for you and I, out of the book of Hebrews, chapter number 13, and I've entitled uh, this message or series of messages, uh, Altars, Our God Connection. Our God Connection, because that's exactly in these uh, examples that I was speaking to you about, was taking place these men wanted to find a way in a place where they could connect with their God, Jehovah God, the God of Israel, and commemorate and remember the great things and to thank Him and to come to a place where they could open their lives up and come in contact with God. There are different mindsets and and thoughts about Making altar calls. There, there are some places, some houses of worship, uh, where that does not happen. We, in our ministry, in our fellowship, we always make altar calls. And we're going to see the meaning behind that and the importance of, of what the altar is all about. It's just a place, basically, where we come and uh, have our connection with God. In Hebrews chapter 13, starting with verse 8. The writer of Hebrews says these words, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, and not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We, everybody say that word, we. Now he's talking to the Hebrew church and he's talking to them now about uh, the new relationship with God versus the Old Testament laws and uh, what they have to go through and the rituals that now take place. And so it says, we have an altar, which means you and I also, from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. And so what the writer of Hebrews here is bringing to the understanding of uh, those Jews that yes, you had your old way of sacrificing, offering foods, uh, 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 killing animals uh, so that uh, you could come into the mercy of God and have your sins forgiven. But what the writer of Hebrews is saying here now, that is past. That no longer is the way because now we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle or who are still involved in the Old Testament ways and laws have no right to eat from that altar because they have not yet acknowledged who we're going to be looking at this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Don't you thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ this morning and what He did on the cross of Calvary so that our sins, our iniquities could be forgiven. And so we start off this morning by looking at the Old Testament significance of uh, what took place when they built an altar. One commentator named G. Campbell Morgan, he wrote this way about the altar and described it. Essentially, the action or the building was one of worship. Actively, it was a sacrifice uh, and a uh, Experientially or the experience at that altar was a readjustment and a new beginning. So there are three things that took place when the Old Testament saints came to build an altar. Number one, worship took place at the altar. That building the altar, coming and uh, bringing the pieces, uh, the materials for the altar, whatever they were, was an act of worship uh, to God. It involved a sacrifice. Once the altar was built, always there was a sacrifice made, whether it it was uh, uh, turtle doves as we read, whether it was sheep, oxen, whatever the case might be, even fruit offerings uh, were brought. But we need to understand there was always a sacrifice at the altar involved, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments. And then what it signified when they built the altar, not only was it a place of worship, of sacrifice, but yet it was a place for a new start and a new beginning. Praise God for that. And uh, so we understand that these uh, saints that came to build the altar understood that when they finished uh, worshiping and sacrificing That now things were brand new. They had a new start, a fresh start. As we know, old things passed away. Now behold, all things become new. That was the mindset. That was the understanding uh, for the Old Testament saints. It was their motivation when they built the altar. Number one, their motivation for coming to build the altar was the fact that of repentance. Everybody say that word with me, repentance. Repentance. We've heard about repentance. If you've been saved and serving God for any amount of time, we understand uh, what that means. And in the Old Testament, it means the same thing that it does for you and I this morning. The Hebrew altar builders understood that their sins separated uh, and distanced them from God. And so there was an act of repentance, an attitude of repentance at the altar because they knew they needed forgiveness of sin in their life. And then secondly, their motivation for building the altar was, yes, repentance, but yet showing that they were going to submit themselves to God, to Jehovah God in their lives. It was a symbol of submission and reverence to God, more than just a ritual. You know, today, uh, folks don't uh, look at the altar when we have altar calls. Sometimes they look at it, you know, maybe coming from different backgrounds and religions, as some kind of a ritual, and so you come, you genuflect, you come down, you, you 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 come and pray a couple of prayers, and then go back to your seat, and you're done. But see, true understanding of what the altar is, when at the end of the message, uh, the pastor says, let's bow our hearts before the Lord, and makes an altar call. It's far more, and has nothing to do with being a ritual. But what it means is that I'm coming to God and I am submitting myself to God. I'm repenting, and I'm saying, God, you are the ultimate authority in my life, and uh, I reverence you. I honor you as uh, the God of my salvation. That's so important when we, we understand the concept of, of what the altar is about. And then what we're doing is, thirdly, we're saying, God, God, I'm going to depend on you in my life for everything I need, for your help, for your guidance, for your wisdom, for your strength, and I'm going to thank you for that. It was a a, a place of dependence and thanksgiving. It was a, a place where they built altars in times of joy, when they were joyful, when even in times of sorrow in times of victory, and yes, even in times of defeats. And these Old Testament saints uh, built these altars because they had a desire to do what? To connect with God, to meet God, to have God get involved in their lives. And so the altar became a point of connection just because we have been saved for. Months, years, decades for some. We haven't been the century yet. I don't think anybody's been saved for a century, 100 years. If that's you, wow, praise God. Good stuff. But yet, sometimes we feel because of the time that we've made altar calls, and we've done that, and I've done that, and I've done that, that they're no longer needed. I don't need to do the altar call anymore because I'm cool, I'm I'm done. You know, I have arrived. I've, 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 no, you know. And what we do is we miss the whole mindset and understanding of what the altar represents, how it can impact our life and how that connection with God constantly needs to be made. You can make, yes, we come here at the altar in church, but there's some folks who just turn around in their seat and they make an altar call. Some folks just sit down, put their hands over their face, and they make an altar call. We're going to see at, at next week how there were specific issues that, that God spoke to the, the men of God concerning how to build an altar, what tools to use, what not to, to use, what not to do. And for you and I... That's the Old Testament rule that you and I have been set free from. Don't you thank God for that? We're no longer bound by laws, but by God's grace, His mercy, and His goodness. The altar was an act of worship. In our text, it says that we have an altar. In other words, now we have access in the New Testament to uh, the New Testament saints. Because we know at the Old Testament, the high priests were the only ones who were able to go and have access into the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, where the mercy seat was of God, where the Ark of the Covenant was. And uh, it was only the high priest who was able to go in there and petition uh, for the, the people of God for God to forgive them. He was their mediator. And only as that priest went in there could their sins be brought before God and forgiven. But you see, we love Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. We know that. And thank God for Jesus Christ. Because in Matthew 27 and verse 51, as Jesus was there being crucified and hanging on the cross there in Golgotha, that uh, he, when it was finished, cried out uh, in a loud voice to God. And the Bible says that when he cried out to God, the veil of the temple was rent. Uh, There was a great earthquake from top to the bottom. And uh, what that signified uh, through the the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, as uh, he gave his life for you and for me, that no longer... Do we need anybody to come before the mercy seat of God uh, and ask uh, forgiveness for our sins? But you and I now can come before the presence of God as we are here today and say, Jesus, forgive me. By your stripes I am healed. You see, the significance that you and I need to always remember that uh, you and I through the altar... We do it not with stones or with with pieces of wood or with animals, but yet we do it on the altar of our hearts. That it's the altar of our hearts that as we know that God's love has filled us and what, what God has done in our lives that we are so thankful and appreciative of what God has set us free from, of God's mercy, how He healed our family, our marriages, how He set us free from strongholds and habits, uh, then we come to the altar with God with a grateful heart and say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that miracle. Hebrews 8 and verse 10. But this is the promise that I will make to Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my teaching inside them. I will write those teachings on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. The altar was an act. Of worship, and when we have altar calls here, has nothing to do with rituals, but yet it is, I am worshiping you, God, with everything inside of me, because your word lives in me, your holy Spirit lives in me, and I am so thankful. C.s Lewis goes on and describes the altar call experience, and he says this. It is an act of worship from deep within the heart in which we gratefully and willingly sacrifice all personal desires and self-interest in order to approach God. Altar building was expressed from within the New Covenant Christian life. It acknowledges, and this is important, absolute sovereignty and the impeccable holiness of God. That's what we're saying. That's what we are are, are recognizing when we come to the altar. That God, you are sovereign. You are Lord in my life. There's no one else that I want to have authority in my life. And we come with absolute understanding that we come to him without any preconditions and it's a total surrender. Because God's holiness is what? Impeccable. What does that word mean? Flawless, perfect, above reproach, unblemished. unblemished. You see, when we come to the altar, we understand that we're acknowledging who God is. And that only He is the one who is able through His Son Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins because He is the only one, His Son Jesus Christ, who is without sin and who is perfect. And so we express our confidence at the altar in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. It's the same for you and I this morning. As the Old Testament saints said, they recognize God, they worship God, they surrender to God, they sacrifice to God. When we come to the altar, we understand that it's a place of sacrifice, just as the Old Testament saints understood that. Worship and sacrifice are not the same experience. What do I mean? Listen, worship is a heartfelt giving out of our devotion and commitment to God. When we worship God, it's coming from our heart. We build that altar from our heart and say, God, we worship you. We acknowledge you. We, we give our total surrender to you. We give our commitment and devotion to you. That's what worship is. Sacrifice is different. Listen Sacrifice is an intentional giving up. Everybody say those two words, give up. up. Giving up of what? Giving up of all that stands in the way of our commitment to Jesus Christ. It's giving up everything that hinders us from submitting our lives to Jesus Christ. That's what sacrifice is. That's what it meant in the Old Testament. We are sacrificing and giving up because in the Old Testament, the livestock that they sacrificed was their source of money, income, of value. That's how they valued what they were worth was through their livestock. And when they sacrifice that, they're saying, we are committing this to you. We're giving this up to you because we love you and we worship you. That's what happens when we come to the altar. We're saying, God, we are sacrificing and uh, putting to death. That's what it means. Because Sac- those animals didn't get up and walk away after the altar. Yeah, they, they, were, they were graveyard dead. That was it. And so for you and I this morning, when we come to the altar, it's a sacrifice and we're saying we are going to be dead to those things that were hindering us. Those things that were keeping us from surrendering to you. Those things that were holding us back from committing our lives to you. God always required a, a sacrifice at the altar. In the Old Testament, and it's the same for you and I this morning as a Christian men and women. Why does he require a sacrifice? The answer lies in the jealousy of God. Our Bible says that God is a jealous God. Do we have any jealous people here? Do we have any people who have to fight jealousy? Yeah, okay, I, I can tell we already we already know there are some. And and you know how that feels. You know how that feels when you say, Wow, well, how come you didn't do that for me? How come he did it for them? Or how come you said that to them and you never say that to me? And how come? And so on and so forth. You know, that's jealousy right there at work. And the Bible says that God is a jealous God. Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to take a little bit of time and read these uh, verses to you. In verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth, generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. And so God is basically saying here that if you're grateful to me for setting you free, for healing your life, for healing your marriage, for saving your kids, for helping you financially or whatever the case might be, then don't thank anybody else. Don't go somewhere else and give them thanks. Come to me because I'm the one that did it in your life. And that's why God requires a sacrifice. Because that's what we're acknowledging that God, this you've done for me. These Old Testament saints, when they built the altar, were acknowledging, God, you got involved in my life. And I'm connecting with you here right now to show you that I know that you are my God. And to prove it, I'm sacrificing these whatever it might be. God requires that we elevate our worship of Him above our desire for anything else but Him, for our worship to anyone else but Him. He commands our full devotion to Him because He doesn't want to share His authority with anyone else how many know that we're the clay he's the potter and we know that when we build or come to an altar it's an act of worship we acknowledge him that God you're in charge you do what you want in my life I'm not going to tell you you tell me you speak to me you shape me you help me and continue the work In the Old Testament, the animal's blood had to be shed in order for the sin to be forgiven and the sacrifice to be accepted. The Bible tells us that now we have a far better sacrifice through the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, He destroyed the power of sin and death over our lives. And there's no more a need for animal or any other kind of sacrifice because He made the ultimate sacrifice for you and I this morning. And when we come to the altar, that's exactly what we are acknowledging. That new system of freedom, that new place uh, of, uh, of, of deliverance that we can come to in our lives. A sacrifice of the heart, of being grateful. Hebrews chapter 9 and in verse 11. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come. I like that. The high priest of the good things to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption." For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Wow. What a mouthful here this morning. We could spend... Ten hours just on those scriptures, but we're not. <laughs> you see, I'm going to stop here because I want to. I'll, I'll carry on this mo- uh, next week. This morning, as Christian men and women, we should never have the mindset that we outgrow the altar, or there is never a need. To come or to build an altar in our lives. Whether it's here in church. You can build an altar in your home. And it does not have to look a certain way. Be a certain place. Wherever God speaks to you. And you want to connect with him. It is there where you can come. And open your heart and your life to God. And say God I want to worship you. I'm coming because I just want to connect with you. God, I just want to honor you as the Lord of my life. And God, I'm going to sacrifice today, whatever it means, uh, whatever it takes, uh, total commitment to you today. Here is my life. What do you want to do? You see, think, think how different maybe some of our day might be, our days might be. Some of our lives, lives might be, if we just took time to come when an altar call is made. Now, let me qualify You know, I'm not preaching these sermons so that now every time someone preaches here, you know, every, the whole church comes and makes an altar call. That's ritual. We don't want ritual. No, we don't want ritual. What we want. What God wants is that when God speaks to your life, when God challenges your life in an area, whatever that might be, that you you do not ignore it, and that you respond to to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, I get it, God. this, This is what you want from me. This is what you want me to do. I'm going to acknowledge that. That's what the altar was all about. It was acknowledgment of a, an, an event or something that took place that brought these men to build the altars. As our heads are bowed this morning for a few moments and our eyes are closed,